Let's take our Bibles this morning. Please turn to Genesis chapter 50. Genesis chapter 50 this morning. And God's help, I like to preach a message entitled, A History of Forgiveness. A History of Forgiveness. Genesis chapter 50. Genesis chapter 50, I want to wish the Slaters a happy sixth anniversary today. Congratulations to you folks. And that doesn't sound like a lot to some of you, does it? But six years, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for any marriage that lasts. Amen. Praise the Lord that we can celebrate anniversaries. That's wonderful. Genesis chapter 50. Genesis chapter 50. We're going to look at verse 15 this morning, and we'll go through verse 21. Genesis chapter 50, verse 15. Let's read together in verse 15. And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us, and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. They sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying... So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren, and their sin, for they did unto thee evil. Now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of thy God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for I am in the place, for am I in the place of God. But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Now therefore fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for the wonderful theme of forgiveness we find throughout God's word. Lord, I pray that you'd help us now, Lord, to glean from your word. Father, I need your help. So I ask that you'd fill me with your Holy Spirit. I surrender to you. And Lord, I ask that your words might be spoken with boldness and power. But Lord, that they might touch our hearts and help us today to grow. And Father, I pray Lord, that you would put away all the distractions now in this room and all the thoughts of what we are doing this afternoon. And Lord, help us just to focus on this one thing, that God has a message for us. Not Al Fury, but the Word of God. So I pray that you'd speak now, and we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Joseph was a boy and later a man of great character. He walked uprightly. Now, I don't necessarily believe he always had great wisdom. As a young boy, he would tell his brothers of his dreams. Older brothers don't like to hear that they will one day bow down to their younger brother. And so perhaps he didn't show great wisdom in sharing those dreams with his brethren. And so they took exception to it. And they would take Joseph and they would throw him in a pit and decide what they were going to do with him. And some of the brothers wanted to kill him. Reuben would plead for his life. And instead they would sell him into slavery and take that coat of many colors that his father had made for him and tear it into pieces and dip it in the blood of a lamb and show it to his father and say, is this your son's coat? And let him draw his own conclusions. And of course, Israel or Jacob assumed his son was dead. 
Joseph would go from there and be sold again and eventually find himself in Potiphar's home. While he was in Potiphar's home, Potiphar's wife found the attention of this good-looking young man and she fell for him and tried to be immoral with him. And as I said before, Joseph had a lot of character, so he ran out of the room, but she grabbed him by the coat and tore a piece. And it was enough evidence to take to her husband and say, Joseph tried to lie with me. Being accused of immorality and rape, he was put into prison in Egypt. While he was in prison, he met the butler and the baker that had once served Pharaoh. They had these dreams and Joseph was able to interpret those dreams for them because he had the Spirit of God upon him. Of course, those dreams came true in the butler and the baker. One was killed and the other lived, but the one that lived said, I will tell Pharaoh. But he didn't. He forgot. Years later, when Pharaoh would have a dream, and none of his advisors could interpret it for him, that same man said, I remember a man in prison who had great wisdom. He can interpret your dream. So they went and fetched Joseph. And you know the story, Joseph interpreted the king's dream, and the dream was to say, we'll have seven years of bounty. For seven years, our calves will be fat, and our crops will be bountiful. But following that, we will have seven years of great famine and drought. Not only did Joseph interpret the dream, he had a plan of how to deal with the situation. He advised the king, let's take those seven years and let us carefully put away our bounty and put away the crops that when the seven years of famine come, we'll be well taken care of. Seeing the wisdom in this young man, Pharaoh would appoint him to be second in charge of all of Egypt. Now, a lot of time has passed. In Genesis chapter 34, it tells us that Joseph was 17 years old when his brother put him in the pit and sold him into slavery. In Genesis chapter 47, it'll tell us he was 30 years old when God delivered him from prison. So 13 years have now passed. We don't know how long he spent at Potiphar's house, but Jewish tradition tells us about a year before he went into prison. So he spent about 12 years in prison, if the Jewish records are accurate, and a year in Potiphar's house. But now seven years of blessing have come. And so it's been over 20 years that his father thought he was dead. Think about that. We don't know how long it was into this famine before his family would come calling, perhaps another year or two. So 20, 21, 22, maybe more years, his father thought he was dead. I'm just going to be honest with you. I, the only thing I can think of that's worse than thinking that someone you love is dead is finding out years later that they're really alive and you've lost all that time. To maybe have to suffer their death again down the road. And I can't imagine how Jacob felt when he found out his son was alive and found out why he'd been taken from him for all those years because of the, the deeds of his sons that had taken him and sold him into slavery and lied to their father saying he was surely dead. 
Well, the family would move into Egypt. The grace of Joseph allowed them to come in. The Bible tells us that 70 souls would come into Egypt. But eventually, Jacob, or Israel as he's now called, would grow old and he would die. His son had promised him that he would not bury his bones in Egypt, so he received permission from the king or the pharaoh to to go back to their homeland and to bury him there with his wife. And so they did. The Bible says all the nation of Egypt mourned for 30 days, and after they buried his father Jacob, Joseph would come apart for another seven days and mourn again, just all by himself. But now that he's back in Egypt, his brothers have had a long walk. They've come all the way back from the cave where they buried their father, back to the land of Egypt, probably traveling for several weeks, and they begin to talk. Now that dad's gone, what's going to happen to us? Was Joseph only showing Greece to appease our father? Yes, he's been kind to us, and he's given us homes, and he's given us food, and he's cared for us. But now that dad is gone, he will surely requite us of all the evil we have done. They acknowledged they had done wrong. And they were afraid of judgment. Genesis chapter 50 recounts what happens next. First, they use the leverage of their father. They say in verse 15, our father said that you would have to forgive us. To please forgive us. They must have assumed that even though that Joseph must have lost all respect for them, he still loved his father and respected him. And so they tried that route. And then they too acknowledged we have sinned. And we want our forgiveness. I want to point out something to you this morning By the time we get to Genesis chapter 50, about 1,400 years of human history has come to pass. We've heard about Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, how they sinned. We know that Cain has risen up and slain Abel. We know that the wickedness of man was great across all the earth, and it came up into the nostrils of God and offended him, and so he sent a flood and destroyed the earth. Sin had been rampant. And yet Genesis chapter 50 after about 1,400 years of human history, is the first time we ever see the word forgive. Isn't that interesting? I mean in any form. We don't see the word forgave, forgiveness, forgiven, or forgive in any other verse of Scripture before Genesis chapter 50. And I believe it's verse 17. Not once. Think about that. With all the sin and all the muck and mire that's going on in the world thus far, not once have we seen the word forgive. And yet here we find it. I want to define that word for you very quickly if I can. I'm going to illustrate. I need Cody to come on up here. See, in here still, do you run out with a baby or something? That's the second time I've called on somebody and they haven't been here today. He's in junior church. Oh, I forgot to dismiss junior church. You may go if you're in junior church. I am so sorry. Boy, my memory. Uh, Bailey, you come help me. All right, come on up here. All right, Leland, why don't you come up and help me? I need two men. Men. All right. You see those blocks up there? Can you go grab them for me? All right, Leland, you go help them. There's a bunch of cinder blocks up there. Go grab them. Now, listen, here's the word 
forgive is the Hebrew word NASA. Just like it's spelled N-A-S-A, just like NASA, the space agency, all right? Come on, come on down. Now, I have a theory, and I'm going to look this up after. I'm not sure it's true, but I'm going to share it with you. I got thinking about this between the services, all right? The word forgive means to carry away or to lift off a burden. I think maybe that's why it's called NASA, because we have liftoff. I don't know. Maybe that's where it came from. But I'm, I'm going to try to demonstrate this. Uh, uh, go ahead, Bailey. Pick up the first cinder block, the big one. Okay? Now hold it like, hold it like this, all right? All right. Now, Leland, hold it out. I don't want to mess up that nice suit. Man, good night. Your mother will kill me. Grab, grab that block there, all right? Now, would you say that's pretty heavy? Not too bad. You don't want to admit it, but it is, all right? If, if you were to hold that for, say, 10 minutes, if I had to say, just got to stay, you can't put your arms down straight, you got to lock your elbows, you got to hold it up, would, would it start to weigh on you a little bit? Yeah. Would your back maybe start getting sore? Would you start to sweat a little bit? Maybe? Yeah. It, it's a heavy burden. Would you put that other block on there, Leland? Put that block on there right on top. Let's turn it, let's turn it this way because we still got more to stack on there, all right? All right. Now, what do you think? Is that getting heavier now? Am I okay to put another one on? All right. I had a four-year-old do this in the last service. They were fine. <laughs> let's grab this. Leland, let's try one more, okay? Let's see. What do you think? Now, I'm starting to see you're straining a little bit. I don't know how much that weighs, but it's a little bit of weight. And, and it's, it's a burden, right? It's a burden. Let me ask you this. How would you like to go to work tomorrow and have to carry that to work with you? No, you, you have to help me out here, all right? We're going to be here all day. All right. How would, what would your parents think if you came to dinner every single night and you were carrying these blocks with you and slammed them on the table? Your mom probably wouldn't appreciate that. Your dad wouldn't want that either. I mean, that's family time, right? What about, what about if you came home and you picked up your phone and you were calling your girlfriend trying to hold on to these bricks and you're dealing with a relationship situation and you're carrying this? Do you think she would have your undivided attention? Am I making an assumption here when I say girlfriend? Okay. <laughs> You just told everybody you're single. I just had to see that. But here's the truth, folks. We carry our burdens into every life situation, don't we? Sometimes you come home from work and you're carrying on this thing. But here's the thing. When we refuse to forgive somebody, we're causing them to carry a burden. They're walking around thinking, oh, I just wish Leland would forgive me. Now, Leland's going to come wrong, and he's going to demonstrate what the word forgiveness means. It means to carry or to lift away a burden. So go ahead and take off that first block. Does that feel better? You can just set it down. We'll, we'll pick them up later. Now, pick, take another one. Is that starting to feel even better now? It's starting to relieve a little bit? Are your arms burning yet? No? Nah. But can you imagine having to carry that all day? Do you go jogging? You don't go jogging? I know your brother does. Can you imagine going jogging, carrying those? That'd be tough, wouldn't it? Bible says lay aside every weight. Here's the thing. We have enough burdens in our life, don't we? But when somebody refuses to forgive us, we're carrying another burden. Because the word literally means to carry away or lift away a burden. Now, 
Go ahead and take that last one from him and just sit on the floor. Now, here's what happens sometimes, all right? Bailey and Leland are obviously having some problems, and, and Leland says, it's all right, I forgive you. I'm going to take away, I'm sorry, buddy, I'm going to take away all these burdens. I'm going to lift them off of you. I, I don't want you to carry that anymore. Bailey, I love you, and I forgive you. How many of you know, though, sometimes we encounter those things, and then we get to the grocery store, and we see Brother Bailey way down the aisle, and we see Leland down the other way, and Bailey says, oh, there's a, hey, Leland! And Leland just takes his cart and turns and goes the other way. Have you ever had that happen? Somebody says, oh, yeah, I forgive you. Do you know what Leland just did? He picked up a brick, and he put it right back in the hands of Bailey. Because Bailey goes home from the grocery store going, I thought he forgave me. And now I'm carrying this burden again. I, I thought he said, I, I, I'm going to lift that burden off because that's what the word forgive means. I, I'm going to take, think about, you may set that down. Thank you guys. You can have a seat. Think about those brothers. I don't know how long has passed. I'm not smart enough to, to figure all the, the timing out. But this I know Joseph and his father Jacob had a few years together before he died. And all those years, those brothers are thinking, are we really forgiven? And all they're doing is carrying around a burden. They're just hurting. They know they've done wrong. They said, we've sinned. We messed this up. Not only did we hurt Joseph, we hurt our father. And he never did anything to us. Yeah, our little brother, he bragged a lot. And he, 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 he talked about his dreams. And he talked about how we're going to bow down to one. And we taught him. But dad never did anything to us. All he ever did was supply for us and provide and love us. And we've heard him. And they carried that burden around. And they finally came to Joseph. And they said... First of all, dad says, you need to forgive us. And we know we've sinned, and we want you to forgive us. In other words, we want you to carry this burden, take this burden off of us. We're heavy laden. We're hurting. We're carrying this load everywhere we go. And when I sit down for dinner at night, my wife wonders, what's wrong with him? What's wrong with him? When I'm in a relationship with my children and I'm sitting around and we're playing games and, and, and my mind is distant, they're saying, what's wrong with dad? He's got a burden. He's carrying something. Hey, I'm, I'm just here to say, listen, we have enough burdens in this life that we as the children of God ought not be adding to somebody's burden. Here's, here's what I, I know I can always go to Christ and find forgiveness. Always. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Here's, here's another good verse that goes with, with that. He says, take my yoke upon you for my yoke is easy and my burden is what? Light. Why? Because forgiveness has removed all the burdens, taken all the bricks, the Bible says, in whom we find forgiveness or find redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of our sins. We can go to Christ and find forgiveness. 
The Bible also teaches me very plainly about forgiveness that we are to go to one another and ask for forgiveness. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.32, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. We know we are to forgive. Jesus taught the disciples to pray in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 12. And he said, when you pray, pray this way, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We know it's a Bible principle that both Christ forgives and we are supposed to forgive. But I want to turn the tables a little bit and ask you this question. Are you someone that anybody else can come to and find compassion, mercy, grace, and forgiveness? The brothers did not think that Joseph was. Think about that. When dad died, did the brothers automatically go, well, dad's gone, but hey, at least we got Joseph. He'll take care of us. That wasn't their th thinking, was it? Dad's gone, and he's going to kill us. He's the second in charge of all of Egypt. We're going to be put in prison. We're going to be punished. We're going to be put back to Canaan where there's famine. Something's going to happen. Maybe we'll be executed. But he's going to requite us for all the evil that we have done. The brothers did not have the confidence that they could go to Joseph and find compassion and find mercy and find grace and find forgiveness. Look at the Bible says in verse 18. I want, I want to show you something here, and I believe this is, explains the situation to us. Verse 18, or sorry, verse 17. So shall ye say unto Joseph, and they're quoting their father, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil, and now, and now they're not quoting dad anymore, we pray thee. So they're asking too, forgive the trespass of the servants of, the father, of thy father. And Joseph, look what it says, and Joseph wept when they spake unto him. See, so why is he weeping? I don't want to be extra biblical. I'm not trying to add to scripture, but I have a theory. I'm just going to share my theory with you. I believe that Joseph wept because his heart was broken that his brothers would think that he would not forgive them. Think about this. Joseph has already welcomed them into his country. He's brought them into the land of Goshen. He set up homes for them all. And when they come and they're falling, the Bible says they fell on their face before him. And they said, our father says, forgive us, we have sinned. We are asking, forgive us, for we have sinned. And Joseph begins to weep. And in those tears, what he is saying is, I already forgave you. I forgave you years ago. You'll remember when I said, I am Joseph, and fear came upon your faces. I walked around the room, and I hugged you all, and I kissed you upon your necks. I want, all I wanted to know was my father still alive. That's all I wanted to know. I begged you to come and live in Egypt. 
I've taken care of you all these years. I have fed you. I've put homes uh, up for you. And I've put clothes upon your back. And your little ones have come now. And they're thriving. And and, and God is blessing you. And and I've done my best to show you that I love you. And I forgive you. And now you're begging me to forgive you again. And Joseph's heart broke and he wept. Because his brothers did not know that they would find compassion when they came to him. Boy, I, I, I would say that some of this has to do with the devil. Let's be honest. If I offend somebody, it's awful hard sometimes to go because the devil says, they're mad at you. They're going to browbeat you. They're angry with you. And it's difficult to go, isn't it? Sometimes it's our pride. We don't want to admit we did wrong. But here these brothers were admitting they had done wrong and coming to Joseph, and Joseph breaks down. His heart is broken. But in the next couple sentences, Joseph displays his character. And I want to show you three things. Three things that his forgiving spirit manifests. You say, I asked the question already, are you somebody that anybody can come to and find compassion and grace and mercy and forgiveness. Joseph was, and look at these three things with me. Notice, first of all, in verse 18, we see, or sorry, verse 19, we notice Joseph's meekness. His meekness. And Joseph said unto them, fear not, For am I in the place of God? You'll remember that when Joseph told his brothers, well, let's let's back up a little bit. When Joseph dreamed his dreams, I, I don't think Joseph was a foolish young man. I think he understood what his dreams meant. God had given him a dream and we've seen his great wisdom throughout his life and how he could interpret dreams and how when God spoke to his heart, he knew it was God and he knew what they meant. And twice he received dreams and Joseph went out to his brethren and he said, hey, guess what, fellas? One day you're all going to bow down to me. Those carnal brethren, they knew what his dreams meant. So a spiritual young man like Joseph had to know what they meant. But now... His tune has changed. He says, am I in the place of God? I'm no better than you. God God has not me. Listen, Pharaoh has put me in a position here, but God hasn't. Pharaoh has made me second in charge of all uh, of Egypt, and I can tell the chariots where to go, and I can tell them where to fight a battle, and I can tell them where to build a new city, and I can store grain, and I've got a lot of authority, but I am not God. God has not given me the power to judge you. Joseph showed a lot of meekness and humility. If I, if, I could, if I could paraphrase what he's saying, he's basically saying, I'm just a sinner like you guys. I'm no better. Several years ago, I had to go talk to somebody about something that was going on, and it was... It wasn't a good situation. And so I went and talked to them, and I said, listen, I, said, I need to talk to you. And 
I said, there's a problem, and I said, it hurt somebody else, and I, I need to, we need to get this straightened around, and, and uh, they kind of pushed back and got angry and started, and, I, and, and so I, I said, my tone changed a little bit. I didn't get angry. I didn't raise my voice, but my tone changed, and I noticed it. So the next day, I went back, and I said, listen, uh, I need to talk to you. I said, I, I believe what I said was, was true and honest, and I said, I still think you need to go fix this situation, but... My tone wasn't very good. I said, when you got upset, I, uh, my tone changed. And I said, it, it wasn't appropriate. And, and instead of saying, I forgive you, they lambasted me, tore me up. One up one side, down the other. And I said, I understand. That's why I'm apologizing. My tone wasn't just right. And tore me up a little bit more. And so the second time, I said, I, I know. And that's why I'm here. I'm, I'm apologizing to you. My tone wasn't just right. And I got tore up a third time. So I finally realized, okay, just go ahead and tear me up. You'll feel better. And that was the end of it. Notice Joseph's attitude. He wept. And he was heartbroken. And he said, guys, I'm no better than you. Listen, remember when somebody comes to you for forgiveness, you might need them to forgive you tomorrow. We, we, we sometimes get so easily offended, don't we? The Bible says, great peace have they which love the law, and nothing shall offend them. But we all know that we're flesh and blood, and we're sinners, and we get offended sometimes easy. We, we hear something that somebody didn't really even say, or they didn't mean it that way. We need to have a meekness about us, like Joseph, and be able to forgive others. We notice his meekness. I want you to notice in the next verse, his mindset. Look what he says in the next verse, verse 20. But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. To bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Notice Joseph's mindset. God has a plan. God had a plan in this, fellas. I didn't like spending 12 years in prison. I didn't like being thrown in a pit. I didn't like being sold into slavery. I didn't like being separated from my dad for the last 20 some years. But I look back on it all and I say, God had a plan. And you may have thought you were doing evil, but God meant it unto good. He's saving our family, He's saving many people alive. What is our attitude? What is our mindset? I don't know how badly you've been hurt or how you might think it was the most horrible thing to ever happen to you but did God have a plan in it is God working all things together for good is that is that still in the Bible are you able to grow as a result of what happened are you able to learn let me ask you this when somebody hurts you did it drive you closer to Christ did you end up on your knees? And somebody comes and says, would you forgive me? And you can honestly say, you know what? I've never been closer to the Lord because of that hurt. I got down on my knees and I got down on my face before God and I learned this. Though my friend hurt me, I have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. There's a purpose. He understood that he was not in the place of God, and he understood that God had a plan to save his family alive. But I want you to see, thirdly, Joseph's mercy. 
Look at his mercy in verse 21. Just read the first phrase with me. Now, therefore, look what he says. Fear ye not. Do you know what he's saying with those three words, fear ye not? I'm not going to do anything to you. I'm not going to punish you. I'm not going to send you away from Goshen. I'm not going to suspend your food, your homes. I'm not going to put you in prison. I'm not going to execute you. Don't worry about any of it. Fear ye not. That's mercy. Joseph says, I'm not willing to put a brick back in your hands. I'm not willing to burden you any longer. I I took that load, and when I took that load, I meant it. I let it go. And Joseph had a, a heart of mercy, but when we see we start with mercy, it can turn so quickly to grace. Notice what he says. Mercy is withholding what we deserve. And he said, I'm not going to do anything. And he says, but then he shows grace. I will nourish you and your little ones. And, be, and he comforted them and he spake kindly unto them. That's forgiveness. Mercy, grace, and compassion. When his brothers first came to him, They did not know what would happen. Let's let's be honest. They were throwing themselves on the mercy of the king. Isn't that what they were doing? He will requite us for all the evil we have done. There's nowhere we can run, so let's just go get this over with. Dad wants you to forgive us, and we want you to forgive us. Dad says we're sinners, and we're telling you we're sinners. We've done wrong. We've hurt you. Please forgive us. They did not know what to expect. Let me ask you this. For the next several years, they would live in Goshen before the brothers begin to die off. Do you suppose that Joseph ever had another problem with Reuben? You think they ever had a brother squabble together? Somebody help me. Probably. Probably. How many of you think that maybe Ephraim and Gad's wives got together once in a while and said, I don't like Joseph's wife. She's an Egyptian. How many of you think maybe some of the sister-in-laws had some squabbles from time to time? Maybe Gad and Manasseh would go to Joseph another time and have a problem with them. Maybe it was their kids or grandkids that were running through the palace And Joseph took exception. But let me ask you this. Here's the most important question. Would they ever, ever, ever fear going to Joseph another time and asking for forgiveness? Never. Because Joseph forgave them the first time. And he said, when I forgave you, I understood some things. I understood that I'm not in the place of God. God's going to judge you, and God has judged you, I'm sure. Many times, I'm sure, when Dad, when Dad bowed his head at the dinner table and prayed, and, and we saw his grief and his sorrow, and he was broken over losing his son, it, it tore us up. I'm sure you've paid for it. When Dad would go visit that monument he set up for you, 
Every year on the anniversary of your death, we paid for it again. And we stood in your presence and you said, I am Joseph, the fear that went through us. Oh, you've paid for it. God took care of that. So I'm just going to show meekness. I'm going to show mercy. I'm going to understand that God's ways are not our ways and God had a plan in all of this. And when I lift that brick off, I, I never plan on putting it back again. It's not my intent to make you relive this over and over. I, I don't want you carrying a burden. I mean, you know that Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. It's pretty hard to have abundant life when fellow Christians are making you carry around all these burdens all the time. We need to learn how to forgive. Without consideration of what it did to me, without worrying about how others will perceive it, without considering payback or punishment, just simply forgive. Because when you don't forgive, you're carrying some bricks of your own. And the only thing the stones are good for is for throwing at each other. It's all they're good for. I don't believe that those brothers ever feared Joseph again the rest of their lives. Because in the mind they thought, if he can forgive us of that, he'll forgive us of anything. You know, you have a heavenly father that does the same. In the life of Joseph, we see a wonderful picture of our Savior who forgives us and loves us. And you can know him today. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. God has spoke to your heart. The altar is open even now. I meant to share, I meant to share this story, and you keep playing, and I, I just forgot. Keep playing. I get emails frequently, just stories and uh, articles, I guess you would say, uh, magazine type things that are for pastors and for ministry and whatever. And I received one a while ago. And I'm sure some of you will know the name of this young lady. I, I can't think of it. She is a uh, contemporary Christian music artist today. And years ago, she went on one of these uh, TV reality competitions for singing. And she was quite a bit overweight. And one of the judges commented on that when she left and didn't know she would ever hear it. But it's taped for the world to see. Her friends heard it. They told her about it. She had to go back and face the judges and she said to the one judge that had made the comment, she says, my friends want me to come in here and tear you up. She says, what you said really hurt. She says, but this is what I want to say. If Jesus can die and pay the price for all my sins so I can be forgiven, I can extend that same grace to you. I don't know her. I don't know her background in the Bible. I don't know her. It doesn't matter. 
what I saw in her was the grace of Jesus Christ. May we have that same grace. Maybe there's one here today say, preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. Let's stand to our feet. I'm not sure I'm saved. If I were to die today, I don't know that I'd spend eternity with Christ. We'd like to help you. You can be forgiven of your sin today. Jesus Christ died to pay the price for it. Took your place, took your punishment. We'd like to take a Bible and show you what it means to have eternal life through Jesus Christ. I won't embarrass you and I won't call you out. And I understand it wasn't necessarily a message on salvation. But we'd like to help you if we could. Is there one say, Pastor, I'm not sure I'm saved. God's been speaking to my heart. I won't embarrass you. Just slip up your hand. Nobody's looking around. We'd like to help you today.